Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're going to talk all about trip planning, vacation planning, travel, planes, hotels, packing, all that good stuff. We've got travel on the brain, and I think a lot of our listeners might as well. Yes, absolutely. And I, I hope I will learn something from you, and maybe everyone will learn something from both of us. We'll see. Well, before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by Night, the makers of our favorite silk pillowcases. If you're ready to upgrade your sleep experience, you can take 20% off almost everything on their site at discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER. Let's talk about some highs and lows. Would you like to go first? We have the same high high. (laughs) to be cheesy. We're recording this live in Philly. We recorded the intro outro from last week's episode and recording this whole episode together. And I mean, first of all, separate from the Olivia of it, I haven't been to Philly that many times. So I'm excited to be here and to kind of like explore the city. Olivia's neighborhood is so cute. Last night I came over and I was like, am I moving to Philly? (laughs) You should. True or false. (laughs) But also, I'm just excited to invest this time in our our friendship and our partnership because we we haven't spent very much time in person together. Contrary to when Grace and I hosted, we had a pre-existing friendship. So it's nice to like spend time together to be a total cheese ball. I totally agree. This is just lovely. I'm sitting here drinking coffee on a Monday morning and we're just chatting. And it's honestly like a very good way to kick off the week. And my high is the same. Yeah. I had I got sunburned so badly yesterday because we sat outside before dinner and drank wine, hung out with Jake and Winnie. And it was just like a really lovely, lovely evening. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep doing this every other month or well, every, every month. month. So you're going to come yeah. to New York every other month and I'm going to come to Philly every other yeah. month. So it's going to be fun. But should we talk about Lowe's? Yeah. <laughs> uh, literally. Free. Oh, I guess you don't want to name, do you not want to name the hotel? Oh, I'll say it. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I, I, I chose. I, I feel bad, I should say, but I didn't want to give unsolicited no, advice. It's, it's fine. So, my low is that, like, wow, did I choose the wrong hotel? I mean, it isn't horrific. Like, don't get me wrong. This is a blip on the radar. It just, so you can do New York to Philly and back in a day. The train is about an hour and a half. It's very easy. You can take the SL and it's an hour. It, it felt a little much to me to do there and back in one day. That's what you did when you came to New York, but I was... I did, and I don't know if that was the best choice. Well, you're a morning person, and I'm like, uh, the idea of needing to get out the door that early and take two subway trains to get to the train, I was like, that feels like too much. So anyway, I did an overnight, and in my head, a staycation night sounds so nice. I asked for a room with a bathtub. I was going to have just like a really zen, amazing evening. I'm staying at the Lowe's Hotel. Lows are generally really nice. Olivia asked me when I came over this morning how it is. And I was like, you know, it's Y2K stockbroker chic. It's like probably where you stay for a conference. And Absolutely. It's fine. It's but not like it's relaxing. Fine. Yeah. The bathtub was no bigger than the bathtub in my apartment. It was not something that a full-size human could submerge themselves <laughs> in. And it was the whole experience was like, okay. It was fairly inexpensive, so I don't feel robbed. Mm-hmm. And of course, there could have been I'm sure there's somewhere way way worse I don't want to complain too much but it just my expectations versus what I got was so so misaligned well next time I will either give you some recommendations that I trust or you can stay here we do not have a bathtub but it is free and Winnie is here so Winnie and I are working on our best friendship 
By the end of this year, we will have perfected the Philly to New York. I agree. <laughs> I, I need to start doing some Philly research and putting like places I want to try restaurant and bar wise into into a map. And, you know, I think if we do this every other month, I have maybe three more trips to Philly this year. So I, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to yeah. crack this. I'm going to be a Philly expert by the end yeah. of the year. And it's kind of nice because it like takes the pressure off a little bit. It's like, well, there's going to be another time that we can do this and, you know, go to more places and stay in better hotels. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> Based on the outline, I just, listener, I just want you to know that the outline just says low, Olivia, my feet. <laughs> If Jake was here, he'd be like, true. <laughs> um, I'm crying. I don't know why. <laughs> Literally, because as you were talking, I just kept looking at the outline. It was just making me laugh because I wrote it this morning and we had quite a few glasses of wine last night. But anyway, so here's the thing. I have terrible feet. Like, I just cannot seem to hack the situation. They are. Let me just say this. I once stepped on a piece of glass and I barely felt anything. <laughs> So they're they're like callous. They're they're very callous. Like I need to use whatever like the industrial version of the baby foot thing is. Mm -hmm. Like I need to have a new foot. Like it needs to. I need. There needs to be a rebirth of the feet. Okay. I have such a high arch that all my pressure goes into the back of my foot and the front. So it's just. It's always in between that area is fine, but but that area is like there's no. I don't know. I haven't figured out a solution. I've slept with socks. I put skin food on some nights, which does help. But like, I feel like I need something stronger. Like this is a medical situation. Maybe. I don't know. So has something happened recently with your feet or did you just want to share this with us well, after a know, month of hosting this podcast that you have some, I felt like how can people really get to know me better? And the feet was, no, I just, I don't know. I didn't have a major low, like nothing is going wrong in my life currently. I feel good about everything. So I was just like, maybe some people can relate to just feeling generally good about themselves, but then having like hooves. So Olivia, I gotta I, tell you that I'm really scared for who this episode brings out and if oh, the no, foot fetish no, community no, no, no. comes well, here. Hopefully they'll be scared of me, which... No, I think some people might be into that. No. So I... I, I don't want to know the dark side of the foot fetish community. I have a... No kink shaming, but... I have a negative personal experience here. So, <laughs> with my feet? Or? No, with the, <laughs> with the foot fetish community. Oh, no. So um, years ago, I had an outfit blog with my friend Ashley, oh, which no. I feel comfortable telling you because it no longer exists. You I used to have one too. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I did. And um, Ashley, my co-blog writer, was really into knee socks that year. <laughs> and she was like always wearing knee socks. And somehow no, it no. got picked up by like this foot fetish pre-Reddit Reddit. And our, like, number one traffic source was this foot fetish site. Oh, God. And we, there was really nothing we could do about it, but it would really colored the whole experience to know how many foot fetishists well, listen, were reading every post. Maybe this is how we break through the podcasting plateau. The audience plateau is to get the foot fetish community involved. If that's the answer, <laughs> I think I'm happy staying plateaued. I would agree. I would agree. I'm sorry. Like, I... Don't apologize. I mean, it's if you are in defeat, disregard everything I said and go away. 
I didn't even consider it. This is like, you know, when people are like, no free foot pics on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And no free feet on the internet. I don't even think about that. It doesn't even enter my psyche. I was just like, what's my low? Well, my feet aren't great. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, it, it is hard when we're recording two episodes at once where you have to have two of everything. So I get it. However, <laughs> I'm fearful yeah last time i was like well you know i've had a really bad body image week like really serious this time i'm like i guess similarly bad body image but this is more just like you've had a bad foot life i need a solution here maybe i should see a podiatrist anyway let's take an ad break (laughs) So today's episode is brought to you by Olive and June, a brand we both love. So as we have mentioned before, we are both longtime nail biters. And one of my goals in 2022 is to quit the habit. And for me, the only thing that works is to have perfectly painted nails at all times. And Olive and June is my secret weapon to achieve a salon perfect manicure at home. Absolutely. For so long, I felt like paying hundreds of dollars for regular gel manicures was the only way I keep my nails looking nice. But I am so happy to have finally tried Olive in June because I think their products are going to be a more affordable and honestly cuter alternative. I've also gotten really into their press-ons. I'm currently wearing one of their nail polishes, which I put on the other night instead of going to pay for a manicure. It was a great choice, saved me a lot of money, and I felt awesome about it. And their nail polishes last seven plus days and do not chip. I'm not kidding when I tell you that they have my favorite top coat. It's like industrial strength. Whenever I use it, I feel like the only reason that I have to take off my manicure is because it's grown out too much. It doesn't chip. I swear it's magic. And they have great new colors every season. And if you're sitting here thinking that you're not skilled enough to do an at-home manicure, that's only because you haven't tried their Poppy, which is Olive and June's patented brush handle, which makes it so easy to paint with both of your hands. And the best part is it's so much more affordable than a salon manicure. We both have the Manny system with six polishes, and it breaks down to just $2 a manicure versus $40 or $50 that you'd be paying for a single gel manicure in New York or Philly. We're huge fans of this brand and so excited to have a special offer for Bad on Paper listeners. Visit oliveandjune.com slash paper for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash paper for 20% off your first Manny system. All right. To kick this off, my question is something that I love asking people who travel a lot, who love to travel. Do you usually choose where you're going to visit based on the city or the country? Or do you see like a hotel you like and you're like, I have to go there. And so therefore, I'm going to plan a whole trip around this specific stay or Airbnb or whatever. So usually it's the city or the country first. However, I have one time done it around the hotel, and that was when uh, we went to Olbash in Mexico, and we'd seen this hotel on, I don't know if it was on Instagram or on some article, and like needed to stay there. And so that trip was planned around staying at that hotel. Um, But usually I feel like that comes later for me. Now I'm curious, which are you? I do both. Lately, I've been very into following like a lot of very unique hotels on Instagram. And 
sometimes that inspires me to go to a place that I maybe wouldn't. Like I follow this very interesting hotel and I think it's in like Namibia or something. And I, I don't really know anything about that place, but it got me curious about it. So maybe one day. So yeah, I do, I do a little bit of both. It's funny because I do follow all of these hotels and I have a lot in my saved folder on Instagram, but it's kind of exists as this place I like to stock. And sometimes when I'm planning a trip, it doesn't even occur to me to go to these places. Yeah, it is very easy to forget places. And I feel like Instagram is actually one of the ways that I keep up with anything, including restaurants, or I will totally forget them. Yeah. How how far in advance do you plan trips? Are you like a, I have my vacations planned out for the next four years person or like we're going on a flight to Mexico next week? In between, I would say a couple months out. I very rarely am a spur of the moment. We're going somewhere next week. Traveler, I've done it a couple times, but usually that's not me. But I'm also, if you, if you invited me on a trip in December right now, I would probably be like, uh, okay. But it just feels, yeah. it feels so far away. It feels really hard for me to conceive of what my workload will be like then or like what I want to do then. So I feel like it's usually a couple months out. Okay. How about you? I feel like I'm I'm similar, but I think the sweet spot is like four to seven months out. Because like you said, I feel like if something is too far away, like so many things can change. But I feel like that, that time period just... um I don't know. It, it makes it easy to look forward to it, to plan it because you have time. It doesn't feel like it's like, oh, my God, we're leaving tomorrow because um, that can be really stressful, I think. I fully believe that part of the best part of taking a trip is anticipating it in oh, addition yes. to going on it. So if yes. you if you just pull the trigger and go somewhere next week, you don't get that that positive anticipation of yes. how amazing is this going to be? I'm going to be so relaxed. It's going to be so great. That's a very good point. I totally agree with you. So wait, so do you have a like a bucket list of trips that you want to go on? You're just like working your way down and checking them off? Sort of. Jake and I have like a combined bucket list that involves a lot of travel places we want to go. But a lot of them are things that just involve a lot of planning, <laughs> like Asia or, you know, New Zealand, Australia, all of those places that are just like many, many flights away. Um, so we often just choose things that are a little bit closer in the meantime. But and sometimes we do spontaneous stuff, too. So it kind of depends. What about you? Well, it's funny because I do have this travel bucket list note in my phone of places I want to go. But I'm also kind of thinking, I'm like, do I actually want to go there? Because when it comes time to book a trip, it's not the places I'm picking. Mm -hmm. And part of that is money where some of the places would be too expensive. And I'm like, wow, I'm not prepared to drop that chunk of change. But then part of it is also like a feeling in the moment of this summer, I was like, I'm really feeling a European vacation. And so even though I've been to Paris multiple times, and it's not somewhere that's like on that list and there's no hotel that I'm going for. I was like, yeah, this feels right where it's a vibe thing. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's like you are craving different types of vacations at different times. And, yeah. And yeah, I completely relate to that. Yeah. So what, tell me like, what is one thing on your travel bucket list for you and Jake that you hope to do in the next five years? It's a tie between like a Southeast Asia trip for like a month or two and I really want to go to New Zealand and go to like wine country there. It just looks absolutely incredible. I have a few Airbnbs that I've like found that are like just on lakes that are the views are out of this world. Uh, so those are 
two that are like I really, really want to make happen in the next year or two. What oh, in the next you? year or two? I I think so. Okay. I'm like, my plan is to really go hard in the next year or two because this was sort of the time that we were hoping to buy a house and the market is just kind of crazy. And I don't really want to be in a bidding war with someone, even if we can afford it. So instead, we're just like spending that energy on travel. Yeah. But what about you? Where... I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Well, yeah, I invited myself on your Southeast Asia trip and then planned we're all going where together. we're going. <laughs> um, I'm going to be Olivia and Jake's child that is older than them. <laughs> that sounds great, honestly. Uh, so I, I you know, want to be conscious of not repeating my stories too many times, but I know there are new listeners. So if you've been a longtime listener, you'll remember that in 2018, after I left my full-time job, I was actually supposed to go on this month-long Southeast Asia trip. And I ended up having to cancel it because my uncle, who was like a father to me, had cancer and ended up taking a turn for the worst and got very sick. I got the phone call that he was admitted to the hospital the afternoon I was supposed to leave. I was supposed to be on like a red eye flight. And so I ended up going to Florida and staying there for like a month and a half with him in the hospital. He eventually ended up passing away. But I happened to cancel that trip. Grace was going to go with me for 10 days of it. And she ended up going alone for 10 days. I was going to go for four weeks. I did so much planning and I really want to go on that trip. And I was going to fly into Bangkok, spend a couple of days there, go to Siam Rep. Grace wanted to do like a beach in Thailand. So we at that time picked Koh Samui, but like open on, on that part of it. Then flying to Vietnam and I can't remember the name of the city that I I'd wanted to go there. And then from there going to Bali and I'm like flexible on some parts of that. I really want to go to Angkor Wat and see Cambodia. I do want to go to Bangkok, but there's some flexibility in there, but I really want to do that trip. And I just, well, obviously the past two years, it hasn't been feasible with COVID, but I haven't been at a place in my life since 2018 where I've been able to take a month off and I really want to do a big trip and take more time. When you sell the book. Maybe. You can go on a big celebration trip. Maybe. That's, that's the type of trip that is very much, I feel like, a specific type of travel where it's, I feel, very, like, adventure-based. You're, like, constantly doing things, constantly moving. Do you prefer that or do you prefer relaxing? I'm not doing anything. <sighs> I like both for different times. And in my version of this Asia trip, there would be a balance of both because, you know, you would go to Bangkok and you would go to Cambodia and then I would go to a beach in Thailand and like take some chill time. And then I would do some more things and then I would go to Bali. So in this trip, I, I was trying to achieve a balance. I feel like I like different things for different times. Like I am, I love a beach vacation. I love same. I'm a slut for views, <laughs> like not views on Instagram, just like I like a Vista. <laughs> and so I I love a beach vacation, but I love that feeling of travel where you feel enriched after going somewhere new, trying new foods, you're like seeing things that are awe-inducing potentially. So I feel like they both have a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of based on what my vibe and my needs are at the moment where sometimes you're just like so burnt out and you're like, I just need to go somewhere and lay on a beach and read a book a day. And I mean, that's one of the things about Olbosh that I like so much is there's also not really internet access and just like be 
disconnected from the world. Yes. Versus sometimes you're like, I want to go and explore. Yeah. I feel like you lean more adventure-y. I'm, I'm like you. I like both. My thing is I want to go into it with clear expectations. I don't want to go into a vacation that I think is going to be relaxing on the beach reading and then be like suddenly pulled into a bunch of excursions um, or maybe vice versa. I, I don't know. But I, I like a balance of both. I think how you were describing your Southeast Asia trip like would be perfect. So I have a question for you. Do you and Jake naturally have the same travel style and priorities or do you ever clash on that? I think we're pretty well aligned. He generally like probably leans more adventure than I do. Like, we're th- for example, we're thinking about going to Alaska to visit my brother. And he was like, well, I'm going to do like an overnight camping thing. I was like, I don't I don't want to like I'll hike. I, I don't want to camp. I just do not. Same. Um But I draw the line at sleeping outdoors. (laughs) Yeah. But we generally, I think, strike a good balance where um, I'll push him to do something new or he'll he'll push me to try something new. Or maybe I'll push him to like just sit and read for a day and instead of doing something all the time. So I think it it works out pretty well. What's the next trip that you have coming up? I next week, actually, I think. Oh, my gosh. I think when this comes (laughs) out, you'll either be there or just be back, right? Yeah. I have a trip with two of my best friends from middle school, high school, college to Portugal. We're going to Lisbon. None of us have ever been. We went on a trip to Ireland together January 2020. (laughs) And that kind of sparked uh, this. So I'm very excited about that. And then at the end of May... Very exciting. I booked a complete surprise trip for Jake. He has no idea where we're going. So we're going somewhere for a long weekend. And that's been kind of fun. Wait, I think type, it, kind of type it in the out. doc. Will you tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll type it in the doc right now. Listener, um, you can't know because Jake listens to the podcast, but I know now. Um, yeah. So and I booked like everything and um I just basically had to tell him the days and the times. And it's a long weekend. We're going to work remotely for part of it. It's a very different type of trip, um, both a place that neither of us has been for. So, yeah. But what about you? Um, my next trip is I'm going to London at the end of May. I think we're gone at the same time. I love London. And I'm just crashing Rachel's work trip. And especially since we made the podcast Showmance, which was set in London, I'm just like, very excited to explore. And I'm also very excited. This sounds weird, but it's a city that I've been to before. And so there's not the pressure to do like hardcore sightseeing. Like I can just walk around and like, yes, eat and like, you know, not that it's going to be relaxing, but Mm -hmm. there's not the pressure of, oh my God, you have to see these nine tourist attractions because you might never come back here. Absolutely. Yeah. I love London so much. I'm really excited. We're also seeing sexy Oklahoma. Have I already told you this? I'm intrigued. I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. So we really wanted to go see a show in the West End, and we were trying to figure out what we should see. A few years ago when I was in London, before COVID, we saw Six there before it came to the U.S., and and I like seeing theater when I'm there. And so this is from the U.S., and it came there, but there's this production of Oklahoma that was in New York before the pandemic. And everyone calls it sexy Oklahoma because it's very like moody and angsty. But I think it won a Tony. Like I'm quite excited. That sounds amazing. It sounds great. 
I'm not really so into we're going theater, to, but that we're sounds going awesome. to sexy Oklahoma. We're going to sexy fish, which is this restaurant that apparently is so over the top. Is there one of those in Miami that just opened in Miami? Yeah, yeah. And we need a third sexy thing. Um, so taking suggestions. Okay. Let me brainstorm. Okay. Let me brainstorm it, a sexy trip to London. That sounds, a sexy trip to London. That sounds pretty great. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Let's talk about let's talk about flight things. Okay, let's. I have a lot more feelings here than last time we did a travel episode of Bad on Paper. I feel like this is something that I'm confident that you know way more about than I even remotely know. So are you airline loyal? I'm not. You're not? No. I wasn't either until 2019 or 2020. What are who are you Delta. loyal to? Okay. Delta. Yeah. What's the what's the obvious choice in Philly? Who would you be loyal to? Um, I don't actually know. It might be in a United hub or American. Okay. But I pretty much just go based on price. That's what I used to do. And in 2019, I traveled so much because we were touring for the podcast oh, yeah. twice. And then it also was a year where I had four weddings. So that meant I had four destination bachelorettes, four weddings that weren't in my city. So I was flying so much, plus personal trips. And I realized that it was stupid to not consolidate that all to one airline to get the benefits. And so before, even in 2019, I was kind of like the same as you, like just whatever's cheapest. But now I've tried to consolidate everything to Delta. Okay. Every, all the time? Well, so there's a few circumstances which I would cheat on Delta. So <laughs> Delta is part of like the Sky Team Alliance, I think it's called. So they have partner airlines for international and I would try to fly those if I'm flying internationally. But if there was like an international location that didn't make sense, I would cheat. And then if the price was so different, right. like probably more than $300 difference and I couldn't I also probably would try to change my dates slightly like one day plus or minus because I have some flexibility before I would cheat. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm pretty loyal. Like I don't even go to kayak anymore and look, I mostly just go to Delta. Oh. And unless it's unless it's wildly expensive, I wow. don't explore other options. That's that's a whole new world. That's probably smart. I honestly never even used credit card points for anything until this surprise trip for Jake. And I, I felt and I booked it all on points and Drunk with power, right? I, I, I was like, is this okay? Like, I feel like I'm going to get there. They're going to be like, no, actually, you booked this with Monopoly money. Like, you, you're not allowed on the plane. But No, you're going to feel so powerful. I I mean, the credit card companies know what they're doing because I was suddenly like, I need to buy everything. What travel card do you have? I have a Chase Sapphire, which is fine. But I've heard that the Capital One Venture X is, like, incredible. Oh, I, interesting. I don't know. I have the Delta reserve one hmm. which i picked so the thing that sucks is that it's the it's has a 500 a year fee which sucks that's high <laughs> however there's two things about it that sold me so first is you get free lounge access to nice. delta which usually you would only get if you were platinum or diamond medallion or if you were flying first class mm -hmm. and so that makes a huge difference not on the reg, not on like the day-to-day, -day, but especially if you're delayed or you have a layover, makes a huge difference. Second thing is the way Delta status works is there's like two things that you need for status. So there's MQMs, which are miles, and MQDs, which are like dollars spent. And I never spend enough dollars to get status. So mm -hmm. there's a waiver where if you have the credit card and you spend $25,000 in a year, which I do for better or worse, <laughs> um, 
you don't have to hit the MQD okay. amount. So it makes it easier to get status right, too. Right. And status equals upgrades. Okay. Interesting. I feel like there's a whole world of like travel credit cards that I just have not even entered that I would like to do more research on. I mean, I only did this in the past couple of years because I wanted to start getting status on an airline because status, I mean, the two things that status gets you are upgrades, which really does make the flight better. Yes, definitely. And accumulating miles so that you can get free flights. Right. As opposed to, I used to be like, oh, I have some miles on American. I have some miles on United. I don't have enough miles to get anything. Maybe I should do that. I don't know. I don't even know what airline I'm flying to Portugal. We'll see. Honestly, if I could convince you of one thing to like become airline loyal, I would feel really great about this whole (laughs) podcast experience. I think, I I think, I think you might. I don't know. You, you just, I, I view you as someone who's very business savvy and very smart with money. And I don't consider myself either of those things, like definitely weak points for me. So I feel like I'll learn a lot from you. I don't know that I consider myself great with money. I I don't know. Hey, you Jim. just seem to have your shit together in a way that I don't think I do. Okay. <laughs> just definitely take it as a compliment. Thank you. Would you say that you are a checked luggage person or a carry-on person? How often do you check your luggage, if ever, is the question, I guess. So basically, if I'm going somewhere five nights or fewer, I don't check. But if I'm going longer than five nights... And sometimes if I'm going five nights and it's in the winter and I want to bring a lot of sweaters, right. I check. Okay. And it actually doesn't stress me out that much. It adds time at the airport, which sucks because of my airline status. Another airline status perk, free bag check. So you don't have to pay for it. Okay. And also I learned, I didn't know this, and maybe Delta changed their limit for everyone, but it used to be it could only be 50 pounds, but at least with my status, it can be 70 pounds. So I'm like, Ooh, great. Wow. It's free. Come back some, I don't know. I have this one. My, my big suitcase is really f- freaking heavy in and of itself. Mm. So I feel helps. like once you you commit to the bigger suitcase, like you just inevitably fill it with everything. What What about you? Do you ever check? No, I have not checked a bag. Whoa. Probably. I can't remember. Probably at least five to seven years. Wow. Maybe more. Yeah. Wow. It's an anxiety thing. I just fear not having things. Got it. And you know what? Even like if we go away for 10 days and I bring a carry on, I still pack things I don't wear. Can I tell you my wildest check bag story? You can. I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast before. So sorry Ooh, if I'm repeating myself. It's not that interesting. <laughs> so a few years ago, I was going to my friend's bachelorette party in San Francisco and my flight was super delayed. My luggage got there before me because I think my luggage had been on a different flight than I was. And we get to the airport. It's like midnight. We've been traveling for so long. And I go down to the baggage area and it's like already off the carousel off to the side. And my old big suitcase was like neon blue. Like it was so singular in terms of its appearance. And I go to take the suitcase and there's this like security guard. He's like, you can't just take that. And I'm like, oh no, it's mine. Like, Mm -hmm. It's it, it's fine, Uh-oh. and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is like on a power trip. He's he's being so, he's being such a jerk about this. And he's like, you need to find your like bag tag, and I'm like, I don't know where that is. And so I'm like digging through my stuff trying to find this, and I'm like, no, it like says my name, like it says like Rebecca F R E. Like I'm like, no, this is like my bag. 
It turns out it wasn't. There was somebody else on my same flight. What are the odds? Who had this same neon blue suitcase whose name was Rebecca and her last name started with F-R-E. I can't remember what it was. But she had taken my suitcase and hers was left at the airport. And so the airline needed to call her. And she was already halfway in a car to like San Francisco and they were like, we have your bag. And she's like, no, I have my bag. And oh my she gosh. ended up needing to turn around and come back. I don't what know. What are the odds of that? Right. Like, like the, the same. We have the same suitcase. We have the same name, the same three letters of our last name. Are you sure name. you don't have a clone? Well. I mean. I don't know for sure. <laughs> it might be. That's crazy. Isn't it? That is that is crazy. But it did give me a lot more respect for the process of checking the numbers on your checked bag oh, yeah. tag. Oh, yeah. Man. Okay. One question I have to ask is, yeah. what is one item when you travel that if you don't have it, you are like completely lost? Now, I'm not talking like medication or contacts or glasses. I'm like just something that is like a creature comfort to you. You have to have it and you're pissed at yourself if you don't. I have two things. Okay. The first one is a sleeping eye mask okay. for at my destination. I'm really light sensitive, especially in new places. And if I don't have an eye mask, I'm kind of adrift and not going to sleep well. Okay. <laughs> um, and then the second thing, which we talked about last night, if it's warm weather, it's Mega Babe's thigh chafe stick. The best product of all time. What are yours? Um, mine is... I just looked up how to pronounce this. The Aquis, Aquis hair towel. Oh, I always travel with mine too. I cannot travel without it. It completely changes the texture of my hair for the better, dries it faster. I love it. Um, And also, like you said, Mega Babe. I will repurchase it wherever I am if there's a Target nearby. Let's take an ad break before we continue the convo. Today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. Sometimes when I have an annoying task on my to-do list, it can be paralyzing. And one of those tasks I'm always avoiding is making a doctor's appointment. Maybe you can relate. I just know it's going to be such a pain in the butt to find a doctor. And then when I do, I'm going to have to sit on hold forever to make the appointment. It's not very fun, but there is good news. We're here to save you some serious time because ZocDoc has made finding a new doctor painless. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. I went through this last year. Coming into quarantine, I needed to make a bunch of doctor's appointments, and at first, I thought the right strategy was going to be to ask my friends for recommendations, except it turned out None of those doctors took my insurance. And the only doctors that matter are the ones who take your insurance. And believe me, the network on my self-employed insurance is not great. ZocDoc was truly my savior. I love that I can filter by location and gender and read verified patient reviews to see what other people say about their visits. And booking is a breeze. And all the booking is right online. So you never have to wait on hold with the receptionist again. Some doctors have appointments as soon as today. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. If it's time for you to get your docs in a row, go to ZocDoc.com BOP and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com BOP. ZocDoc.com BOP. Thank you. 
So here's what I really want to talk about. I'm hoping to get your advice on this because I think that you're really good at this. How do you, I want to talk about planning what you do at your destination. Let's dive into it. I don't feel like I have a specific strategy, but I guess I have things I do. Well, first of all, do you feel like you're someone who prefers to plan everything or do you like let it flow? I like to do both. So I like to plan everything and then have built in time for like just exploring, you know, just wandering into a restaurant. I think having a balance is key to having like getting the most out of a trip, I should say. So I like that to some degree, but one thing I've learned about myself, like one of my worst travel qualities is that if I don't know where I'm going, especially to eat, yes. I'm fine to wander around and discover stores or to just like explore a neighborhood, grab a coffee. But when it comes to eating, I have this feeling where if I don't know where I'm going, that I'm going to like screw it up and mm-hmm. waste a meal in a place. And so sometimes I will just wander around forever if I don't know where I'm going because I can't pick a place because I'm afraid it's not going to be good. Yeah. So I've learned that I I think I like to let it flow, but I'm like, no, you need to have, you don't need to have an itinerary down to the minute, but you need to like have a list in your phone of places that you're going and be able to reference it like based on the neighborhood you're in. Yeah. I agree with you. What we do sometimes is like, I'll find all the places we kind of schedule them based on like what makes sense from walking distance and all of that. And then we'll have a list of like flex options. So it's like, okay, if we have one day and we're totally stuck where to go, we'll go here. How do you find those? I want to know about like your research process about how you figure out where to stay and like what you're going to do when you're at a place. Mostly it's Instagram. So One thing I've been doing for trips is I will do like a crowdsource from like my audience, followers, whatever you want to call them. Um, And people are so helpful. Um, I've had people email me lists of suggestions and stuff, which is above and beyond. But I will sort of take note of the things that are getting mentioned multiple times and some of the things that maybe sound interesting to me. Then if I can, I either find them on Instagram or I look at the location so I can kind of give a feel for like, okay, here's what the food looks like. Here's what the restaurant looks like. And then I usually save them all in a folder on Instagram. And then I will later kind of map out which things are near what. And um, yeah, what about you? So I have a couple different things. So first of all, I love it if anyone I know has been somewhere and can send me a list. And I feel like those are the recommendations I most value because they're vetted by somebody whose taste I trust. And so for this trip to Paris that I'm taking this summer, I actually got, I like paid for my friend Megan Donovan has a business called Paris Perfected where she plans itineraries in Paris and like gives you a list of restaurants, places to stay, et cetera, in addition to giving you like four days of an itinerary customized, you fill out the survey of like what you care about. That's and I haven't so cool. gotten mine yet. It was $200, which I don't think is crazy. The fact that it's vetted recommendations from somebody who's been to these places and also in her case, she knows me. But even if she didn't know me, the intake survey was really intense. And I'm like, oh, I really value this to make sure that I'm getting good recommendations. So I'm really excited to get my recs from her. That sounds so cool. I also did, when I went to Portugal a few years ago, Merit Beck, who's an influencer, has a business, and I can't remember the name of it, where she has like PDF itineraries of everything she did and recommends in a place. Oh, I didn't even know that about Merit, but that's 
really cool. It's only like five or six places maybe, but Lisbon was one of them. Oh, maybe I'll have to download that. And so I like really value that level of curation from somebody whose taste level I understand. And it's not because I think everyone's blah, but it's like on TripAdvisor, it's like, are you 80? Oh, or I, do you have a I can't bunch even of go kids on there. Yeah. where it's like, I just don't know enough about you to understand why you did like or didn't like this restaurant? Yeah. Also, TripAdvisor cannot be trusted. People are just angry and in Absolutely. search of something to be unhappy about. I don't even go on there for anything. And then I have two other things that I like. So if I'm going to a place, I almost always read the New York Times 36 hours in blank. Oh, that's smart. I find like that column is pretty good for solid recommendations for, well, they're doing it in 36 hours. So it's like the must sees. Mm -hmm. And then they usually have really good restaurant recommendations too. So I like that. It does tend to be slightly overexposed. So sometimes it's hard to get a reservation at that restaurant because I'm not the only one doing this. Mm -hmm. And then my third thing that I like to do when I'm actually already at the place, and bear with me because this sounds pretty, (laughs) pretty old. Okay. So I still use Foursquare. And Foursquare has this feature on their app where you can draw a circle on a map and search within an area. So if you're out wandering around in Mexico City, say, you can just kind of circle roughly the five or six blocks around you, even if it spans different neighborhoods or isn't all of one neighborhood, and search for dinner recommendations within it, for instance. And I find that really helpful if I'm out and about. And especially if you're like, we're at dinner, we want somewhere to grab a drink after, where should we go? And you can just kind of like circle the near area and you only get wrecks in there versus if you do it on Yelp or something, Mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, I don't even know what the name of this neighborhood is. Or this neighborhood is huge. I only want wrecks that are like within a few blocks. I might download that for Portugal because this is probably one of my least planned (laughs) trips. So that could be super helpful. I really like that map draw feature. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I feel like you've stayed an all-inclusive. Is that right? I have. I've stated a few. Is What is your opinion? I, I think specifically with a beach vacation, do you prefer staying an all-inclusive or do you like staying somewhere where you have flexibility? It's a very specific type of experience. The only all-inclusive I would recommend is Excellence Playa Mujeres. It's outside of Cancun. I've been there twice in the past year. It's incredible, but it is just different. Like you kind of have to just get used to a different sort of vibe. And everyone always asks about the food. I feel like there's great food, but you wouldn't necessarily go there for a food experience, if that makes okay. sense. Like you're going to have good meals. You're going to have meals that are okay. And that's kind of the same, I would say, on any trip, whether you're planning all gourmet restaurants or not. But just in terms of how relaxing it is, like you don't have to pay for anything. If you're with people, you don't have to worry about splitting the bill. You can get whatever you want. If you don't like dinner, you can leave and go somewhere else. The service is incredible. I have a blog post about, it's referred to as like EPM, Excellence Blimey Harris, but there's a whole Facebook group with like thousands of people who are obsessed with it. But anyway, it says more about there. I would say that's the only one I would recommend. Okay. I always yeah. wonder because I've only stayed at lower end ones and I feel like there are some some really high end all inclusive mm-hmm. resorts and I can never quite figure out if the math works out or not. I think it does. Okay. And 
for the convenience of it, that's what you're paying for. I just love the idea that you go there. You do not have to think about a single thing. It's just, and I went to a different excellence resort with uh, friends on a girl's trip in February. It wasn't as nice as Playa Mujeres, but it was still nice to just like not worry about splitting the bill, not worry about like making sure it's in everyone's budget. And yeah, it was great. So it's a specific type of vacation, but if you're in the mood for it to not think for a weekend, perfect. So to wrap up our travel conversation, I have a few which would you rathers for us. Would you rather fly first class or stay in an amazing hotel? Hotel. What about you? Hotel. Okay. For sure. I love flying first class, but I feel like I could slum it and stay at a great hotel would just make the trip so much better. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to sleep on a flight regardless, so I just feel like it doesn't make a difference. Here's... A very hot button one. Mm-mm. Would you rather get to the airport with extra hours to spare or right as the flight is boarding? Uh, extra hours for me. Uh, so I guess this is worded slightly wrong. I would rather get through security as the airplane is bo- boarding. Like if I got to JFK and there was a huge line in the airport. Right. But that's a dangerous game you play because you can try to do that, but you don't know what's going on. I feel like security lines are always just chaos. I want to get there an hour before... The flight takes off, ideally. Okay. okay. I would say that too, but I always feel like in order to do that, I somehow need three extra hours. No. It, it doesn't make sense, and yet I feel it in my soul. Oh, no. Would you rather have free breakfast or free drinks? You wrote this one. Do you mean at a hotel or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you go to an all-inclusive back I think I would rather have free breakfast, like a good free breakfast. Because I'm... Mm-hmm. As we've covered, I'm not a morning person, so the convenience of not having to make any decisions and just rolling downstairs and having a really great breakfast feels great. And I'm also not like I feel like I wouldn't be maximizing going out for breakfast anyway, that I'm kind of like I would rather have that convenience. I think I would rather have free drinks because it would save me more money. Okay. But I do like breakfast. Would you rather lose your luggage or be massively delayed? Uh, Be massively delayed. What about you? It's it's hard. So I will say that every time my luggage has been lost, it has been reunited with me fairly quickly. Yeah, they're good about that. So I almost rather lose my luggage. I feel like I shouldn't say this because I'm really you're tempting willing it. You're fate. Willing I'm it tempting into fate. But I would rather lose my luggage than have my flight be massively delayed. I just had this happen when I was going to San Francisco and my flight was delayed like 11 hours and it was the worst. Yeah. It's, we were very close to having to stay in the Frankfurt airport for about 24 hours. And I've never run like that in my life. Like I was like, I am not staying in this airport, even though they have lots of soft pretzels everywhere. I am not doing it. So both suck. Let's hope we never have to deal with either of those. (laughs) I'm very curious about this one. Would you rather be on an organized trip with a tour group or travel by yourself? When you say tour group, do you mean strangers? Yep. By myself. Okay. Probably. What about you? I think I'd rather be with the tour group. <laughs> I wish I liked solo travel more than I do, but a lot of what I love about traveling is sharing that experience with somebody. And when you're having an amazing meal, if you're having it by yourself, you can't look over and be like, yeah. Can you believe this? This is incredible. It just doesn't feel as special. Or, you know, if you're like, see an incredible view of something. Yeah. And you can take as many pictures as you want, but those pictures never come out as good as like seeing it. Yeah. 
I, I, I see that. I've never really done a, a tour group. I would like to travel with. You go, Cheryl. I know. <laughs> Olivia. Shout out to my neighbor, Cheryl. Olivia's neighbor, Cheryl, was talking to us in the deck yesterday. She's so well-traveled and she goes on tour group tours, I yes. think. Yes. I think she has like a group of people she travels with. They were supposed to go to Nepal before the pandemic. She's amazing. Like, honestly, it sounds great. Yeah, it really does. You should get her number. Okay. Let's take an ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Night, a brand that exists at the intersection of beauty and sleep using textiles to solve your sleep woes. Today, we want to talk to you about their pillowcases. You've heard us talk about the Night pillow in a lot of previous ads, but you don't need to buy the pillow to experience Night's beauty sleep benefits. You can add one of their pillowcases to your favorite pillow that you already own. So Olivia has been raving about the chill pillowcase, but my favorite is the Tri-Silk Luxe pillowcase. So I mentioned that I got the Dyson Airwrap a few months ago, and I'm always looking to make my great hair days last for another day. And sleeping on a silk pillowcase makes such a huge difference. I didn't even realize that your hair can snag on cotton pillowcases, which is what creates bedhead. But with the silk pillowcase, my hair stays super smooth, and usually I can just give it a quick brush, shake for volume, and go. Your hair does look great. Another great thing about sleeping with a silk pillowcase is the skin benefits. I did not realize that my old non-silk pillowcases were absorbent and sucking up all the oil, dirt, and grime on my face. And not to mention soaking up all of my beauty products from my nighttime skincare routine, which is not the way that's supposed to work. Since silk is hypoallergenic and not absorbent, it keeps these products on my face where they belong. If you're ready to upgrade your pillowcases, go to discovernight.com and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off almost everything on the site, including their pillowcases. Again, that's discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off. Let's get into some end matter. What is your obsession this week? My obsession is... So I'm generally obsessed with hotel lobby candles, and they have a new scent, and it's called Spa. And I think that it would be a perfect candle to burn in your bathroom, except my bathroom sucks, and I never want to spend more time there than necessary. But I've made it my work candle or my writing candle, and I feel like the scent of it is both soothing and energizing at the same time. It's heavy yeah. eucalyptus, which I like. It's also sitting on my desk, which is funny. But yeah, it is It is a lovely smelling candle. And in my head, I would really like to train myself to associate this smell with like productive writing sessions. I've done that in the past and I don't always stick with it, but I generally love having smells associated with specific things. So that's a great idea. And I feel like this smell is what I want to capture. It, is it? Wait. Is it like the smell of your book? Does your book have a signature scent? Uh, So my book is about Christmas. So I feel like it would be very pine forward. So no, I don't think this candle matches my my book scent. However, this is like the mindset I want to be in where I'm not stressed, but I'm I'm like energized and that's kind of genius. Productive. It's kind of genius. What's your obsession? Um, my obsession is not as relaxing as that candle, but it is the show Severance on Apple TV. I have heard about this show from everyone. I haven't watched yet. It is probably one of the best shows I've watched in the last five years. It takes a little bit to get into. The premise of it 
is it's like in the future, it's this dystopian sort of society that doesn't look all that different from the world we live in today. And there's a thing called severance where you can separate your brain. Um, you can separate your work brain and your personal life brain. So you essentially have two versions of yourself and um, they don't know anything about the other one. And you can kind of imagine the ways that can go wrong, but it is, it's like sort of darkly funny. It's so weird, but really thoughtful. Um, the acting I think is incredible. Adam Scott is amazing in it. I love dystopian things in general. Um, and also like the set design is really in, like just amazing. I loved it and I'm really upset. I did not savor it more. So I, I'm Googling this to try to figure this out. Is this based on the book Severance by Ling Ma? Possibly. So the description of the book is Severance is a 2018 satirical science fiction novel by Chinese-American author Ling Ma. It follows Candace Chen, an unfulfilled Bible product coordinator, before and after an incurable infection slowly obliterates global civilization. It could be, but I don't know. Okay. Me either. But it's really, really, really good. The final episode was just, oh my gosh, I was literally like, when is season two? I Googled it immediately. So... I'm going to need to watch this. I've heard so many good things. It's definitely from, not for I, everyone. I will say that. I, it's not for everyone. <laughs> good things from a disparate group of people that makes me think that I need to check it out. Yeah, I think it's worth giving it a shot. I really wish I had saved it for one of my flights because I could not stop watching um, after every episode. But yeah, so I'm glad I, I found that because I was kind of in a TV rut. What about reading? Okay. So I read this book called The Impossible Us by Sarah Lotz. So my friend Skylar told me that this was a rom-com that reads with the pace of a thriller. And the author has previously mostly written thrillers. And that description was really intriguing to me. And I bought it. Hmm. I finished it. I do not know how to describe it to you without <laughs> spoilers. And I do not know what I thought of it. Okay. What I can say, so it starts, it starts as kind of like you've got mail where a guy is sending a rude email to somebody and he types the address wrong and it ends up getting received by this woman and they start a correspondence over email. I can't tell you more than that without giving spoilers. I will say, if you are somebody who feels like they have read every romance trope that exists and you're like, oh, I've read them all. You have not read this one. Wait, is this the one you're talking about with the twist? Yeah, there's I, a huge twist. Were you totally like, what the, the hell is happening? Yep. Okay, I'll read it then. Because I love a twist that not even in the deepest, darkest parts of my psyche did I see coming. Yeah. Okay. Great. I like. I want to tell I, you what the twist is. Don't tell guess, me. Don't tell me. I'm going to read this. I'm, I'm going to read this. I, I'm actually really glad that you're going to read this because I need somebody to talk about this with because it's bonkers. Okay. Well, I'm definitely, definitely going to read it. That's okay. Awesome. What did you read? <laughs> um, so I started just yesterday before you came over. I started The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead, who wrote In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife, which I enjoyed. The book is out in August. And I read the first sentence and I was like, oh, I'm going to like this. Like I immediately, oh. I immediately was like, it's so dark. It's so creepy. It's just, yeah. I don't know too much yet, but um, the beginning of it, it starts out this woman who's sort of become a housewife. She was a writer. She's sort of fallen into this like just sort of role in Dallas. 
and she listens to a true crime podcast and she realizes that she knows the host and she knows the crime and she knows the person they're talking about and we'll see where it goes. I think it also has to do with cults, but it's very much like my thing. Although I have heard it gets really, really, really weird (laughs) and creepy. And the first page, there's like a trigger warning that's like 150 words long. It feels like it's like trigger warning for X, Y, Z, like it just goes on and on. So we'll see if I like it in the end. But so far, I'm really, really enjoying the writing. Uh, I find it just great. I don't know that that's my my genre, but I'm excited for you. Yeah, it's definitely not your thing. I don't I don't think you would like it. Well, you know, I do like I like our May book club pick. How's that for a transition? Wow. I'm standing ovation. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. I've been doing this for four years, <laughs> which is funny. You should ask by Alyssa Sussman, which is a celebrity normal person romance about a journalist who writes a profile of this up and coming actor kind of on the verge of his debut as an A-list star. And uh, the profile blows up and there's all this speculation about whether or not she slept with him while she was writing it. And the book is told in two timelines. So it's told while she's writing the initial profile and then it's told 10 years later so we can see what effect the profile and both of their, what happened in their lives after that. And in the 10-year timeline, she's writing a follow-up profile on him uh, to commemorate the 10-year anniversary. And he's kind of fallen out of grace and is now persona non grata in Hollywood. And I loved this. There was something about it that reminded me a little bit of the idea of you. And what I liked about it was that it came full circle where you got to see what happened 10 years later. And so there was a lot of closure in it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's really great. And I also loved the commentary on being a writer, being a writer on the internet. Yeah, I thought it was great. I'm so excited to discuss this. And in case you need more reason to want to read this, it's apparently based on a profile of Chris Evans from 2011. That makes it so much better. (laughs) So do what you will. I don't know if you want to read it before or after, but just letting you know. Yes. All right. So if you want more of us, you can find us in the Bad and Paper Facebook group and you can find me at Olivia Mentor on Instagram and you can find us on Bad and Paper Podcast on Instagram as well. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And that's it. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. 